means it's real. But a pink cover doesn't make a book vapid. When BTS dear boy with love. <laughs> yes, Chloe, it's that and not feminism. That's the reason why we're chiclet for life. <coughs> oh my god. Oh, you guys, I'm so sorry. No, like I'm still getting rid of this cold. I'm like super gross, man. But like seriously, I genuinely don't know why I'm like surprised that everyone is sick right now. Like considering that we're all like emerging from our immuno bubbles after a year and a half of isolation. But yeah, I am surprised for some reason. I genuinely don't know. Like I kind of thought though that like my immune system was like super, super strong because I didn't catch like every disease imaginable from my keyboard. Oh, dude, like I cleaned mine there the other day, like took off the keycaps and everything. Like it was so gross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Food. So much food, man. Like how many danishes am I actually wasting on the way to my face? Well, I mean, that's that's the big question, isn't it? That's what we all want answered, Sertia. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, if we really had the answer to that, there'd, there'd really be nothing left to find out. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> The fact that I didn't catch E. coli or hepatitis from my keyboard, phone or tablet during lockdown. I mean, I really thought my immune system was ready for anything, but my God, am I wrong? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Well, like, like you might not be sick. Like, it's like, plus, you know, isn't it Sarah who's sick? Well, yeah, I mean, technically, yes, but yeah. I mean, t- try to keep up, Chloe. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to tell us, fam? Oh, yeah, I was going to drop some wisdom on you. Yeah, I don't know if you deserve it now, Zerta. But no, yeah, I uh, we went out last week for like dinner for my mum's birthday. And like, like, yes, I'm fairly sure like I managed to like burn my throat. Yeah, like not my tongue, my throat, like on some like stupidly hot mashed potato. Have I just forgotten about the dangers of, of hot foods? Well, like restaurant quality hot food. Yeah, mm. yeah. Restaurant quality hot food. That is that that is the key point, Sarah. Like, like, what? Well, like, no, like, I knew it was going to be hot and all, because, like, it was in one of them little, like, lasagna yolks. That yeah. means, like, whatever's in it is hotter than the surface of the sun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I was, like, cooling down my forkful for, like, what I assumed was a suitable amount of time. But needless to say, I was mistaken, <laughs> girls. And, like, like you know when you go to eat something and it gets stuck in your throat, but it's not pointy, so it kind of doesn't matter. But, like, this was clearly not pointy. It was mashed potato, but it was, like, actual molten lava in my throat and now I think I have like a blister on like my tonsil but like so far down I can't even see it with my phone light and like when I open my mouth like 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 I'm going to dentist like that wide like you know when you're sorry you asked your question <laughs> well someone's feeling better after the whole Dave Chappelle is really a transphobe situation oh, oh my. Chloe like how is it helpful to like bring that up again I, just, I don't really like when Katie's happy is the thing like we <laughs> do <laughs> <laughs> you're not only messenger Katie yeah, but like are you is the thing Katie okay, don't be like that is it is it the disappointment that like one of your woke heroes is like letting you down is that what it is like he wasn't like a woke hero man he was a comedy hero there's a difference ah poor Katie oh, don't patronise me mate <laughs> like would I do that would I do that Katie like 
absolutely <laughs> mate no 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 but like but like for real though like that whole transphobia thing is just it's just stupid like hey you don't need to like listen to or nothing like yeah talking about periods and biology and all like like there are a load of cis women that don't have no periods and can't have kids and all like they're not women are they not right like and talking about his trans friend being obviously trans and like that idea being the part of that joke like oh man like i oh i don't know like he's just He's just so good at, like, writing jokes and writing stories and playing with, like, what people say and don't say. Like, I don't get why that, like, joke writing ability didn't go into that show. Like, he just seemed to hurt by people calling for him to be cancelled to, like, even pay that much attention to what he was saying. Oh, man, it's just so sad. Like, do you... <clears throat> Sorry. Um, super gross. Do, so gross do you think he should be cancelled? Like, like if this happened like a year ago, I would have said yeah. That like anyone that said the things he said should yeah like not have the opportunity to work again. But like now, I don't know, man. Like, do you say unequivocally that certain viewpoints shouldn't exist because? Not even because I don't agree with them, because I'm pretty sure they're, like, wrong for humanity and stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, cancelling, I don't know that cancelling should be a thing. Like, it's it's boycott more than that, right? Like, you vote with your feet about what you want to be a part of and what you don't want to be a part of. Like, what you appreciate or don't appreciate. And, like how corporations decide to deal with that either by like dropping contracts or firing people or whatever that's on them not like the people exercising their right to choose what they buy or consume so like for me like that special that's on netflix right now like it's so not funny and offensive but also just really really not funny like i don't know that i would enjoy any of his other shows now given that what he was talking about gives it, like, extra context, I think. I don't know, but that's just me. Like, everybody gets to make that decision for themselves, right? Okay, like, I want to just take a moment right now to recognize that this is, like, a proper landmark moment. Like, we've had, like, stay-up-all-night arguments a bunch of times with Katie, like, where, well, all of us, like, Katie was there. Katie, you're one of us. Um, we're like, yeah, <laughs> your whole viewpoint has been, like, cancellation is the only option for people with these views. Like, that's a direct Katie Murphy quote right there. Yeah, like, did something happen to bring you to this, like, zen-like place of calm acceptance, Kate? I don't know, like, maybe I just, like, spent enough time on it. I sent her a bicep shot of sugar, picking up Megan Thee Stallion's dog. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that like, makes more sense. Can you not keep anything to yourself, man? I was worried about you, Katie. <laughs> I, I didn't watch the Bangtan Bomb on YouTube for a few days, which is not like me, and I'm watching it mesmerised intermittently by Megan's ridiculously whopper arse and JK oh laughing the way he's yeah. only supposed to laugh on our wedding day because he's so overjoyed, but anyway. <laughs> but, like, then, yeah, Yungi goes over, like, oh, I'm gonna pick up foe, and, like, obviously the dog's, like, all muscle and super heavy because French bulldogs be like that, but Yungi's been working out loud since his shoulder sore and we all went unexpectedly to the gun show and I knew this is what you needed, Katie. Why wouldn't you want us to, like, celebrate that? Oh, my God! I just, I just don't 
Like, you're like, do you ever think about there being like no God and stuff and then like remember that Megan Thee Stallion's Instagram feed exists? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, every time I see her arse on my feed, I just, yeah, I just feel like there is still hope for humanity, you know? There has right. to be a God for her and those measurements to exist in the wild. End of story. That is divine intervention right there. Like, objectification is wrong, you guys. Yeah, I know, but like... I'm I'm trying to build up to like a segue about like Megan and Amita having like really nice boobs. Why? Why would we be talking about Amita's boobs? Well, like like I was I was sort of taken with Arya's very nice boobs and sort of assumed they were based on Amita's similarly nice boobs and and we were talking about Megan Thee Stallion having among other things very nice boobs. So yeah, I just thought that we were like just in a a really nice boob place in the conversation. No, like no, man. Yeah, I just I just don't know that we can get behind that level of objectification on what is supposed to be a feminist kind of show, Clay. Even when it's part of the gay agenda, is it though? Well, like my gay agenda. There it is. Like there is so much wrong with this right here, man. <laughs> no, like in, like in fairness, I'm playing that up a little bit. Like yes, Amita is so much more than a sexy author lady. No, don't stop, Claire. I love hearing you talk like that. Like objectifying people that have been kind enough to send us their work. Like kind of? Well, like to be fair, Chloe does spend most of her time objectifying Korean singer gentlemen, so I mean, it's fair that you'd respect the game, Chloe. Well, I mean, that is just a very perceptive of you right there, Sersha, and I mean, that is what I'm going to put as the first line in my CV right there. I'm pretty sure that's a profile people want to read on a hire. What? Okay, I don't know. So I went on a bit of a free jazz you know, free association thing right there. But I just, it's just so exciting that Clean is joining me in touristiness right now. I feel so sane, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We're returning to uh, to an author we covered in our series on authors of color, um, series four, Amita Murray. Um, that time around, we covered Amita's debut novel, um, The Trouble with Rose. And um, this time around, we're looking at her upcoming release, Arya Winters and the Tiramisu of Death. Like, that is probably my favorite title for anything since like Doctor Strange Love Man because like you were queuing up outside for that one when it came out in the cinema yeah what is that the one with your man Adam Driver in it like I mean what is it not it sounds like something your man Adam Driver would be in that is true okay Adam Driver would definitely be in Doctor Strange Love if it was made now can't help but feel that we're getting off topic here yes yes we are thank you Serge for anyone for anyone that missed the um, the last episode we did on Amita um, and therefore may be unaware of her legend status but pretty sure that's not the case um, we'd like to reintroduce her um, Clee do you want to redeem your thirsty ass and uh, do the honours well I mean when you put it like that <laughs> um, Amita Murray is a writer based in London um, her first novel The Trouble with Rose came out with Harper Collins in 2019 with the German edition coming out with Random House Blanvalet I don't know if that's how you would even say it in 2021 oh it must be out now um, 
Having lived in and around Delhi, London and California, Amisha likes to write funny things about cultural encounters and relationships. She thinks of herself as a bit of a nomad, though a previous tutor also aptly suggested the label cultural abyss. If we were to use it in a sentence, Amisha, you're a cultural abyss. Fairly clear what we mean by that. Um, in 2016, she was shocked when her short story collection won the SI Leeds Literary Prize at a magical award ceremony at the Ilkley Literature Festival. Don't know why that was hard to read. Actually, it was so magical. She'll be talking about this prize for years. Just wait and see and don't say you weren't warned. We're pretty sure there are more prizes on the way, um, which may edge this one out in the uh, in the talking about stakes. The collection was partly written under a Leverhulme writer-in-residence grant at University College London in 2015 and stories appear in Was the Fury, Sand Berlin and the Berkeley Fiction Review and Otters. Um, she's held writerly residencies with Leverhulme University College London, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong, and Plymouth University slash Literature Works. She has taught advanced fiction at the University of East Anglia and City Lit London. Oh, well, that's very good. Yeah. Oh, we can't right. that one. <laughs> I hear it wasn't that impressive. I don't know, man. We're coming off some transphobia and boob appreciation. Anything that's on topic is a bit of a win here. You know, that is that is an excellent point. Worship me, everyone. Yeah, this is, um, this, you guys, is our very first pre-release book. Yeah, this is going to be released 26th of October and Amisha is now our mate because we love her and she was willing to accept that love. Real talk, also true. Real talk right yeah. there. So yeah. that did mean we got so. an advanced copy of the book, but it does mean we don't have a blurb for it. Um, the description we got was, yeah, Fleabag meets Agatha Christie. Yeah, which like, I mean... I guess, but also, like, not. Yeah, so we're going to have to come up with one now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be Chloe, right? Yeah, I didn't want to say specifically, but also... It's it's the fans talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no one can, like, get that word count up quite like you, Chloe. Oh, my God, cute! But yes, okay, 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 so... So, right? Okay, so we start the book, yeah, and we meet Arya, and like she's a legend because she like tell people what she thinking of them, like not just being straightforward, like more like she just have like a physical thing where she need to say exactly what's in her head, like almost meaner than what's in her head, but like life being hard for her because of that, like obviously i mean like just look at katie but like what yeah so like and she had this aunt yeah what she loved loads and all and used to live with and all but like then her aunt dies right and then like loads of other people start dying and like it's real sad because people in the town are real nice and sound and sometimes real sexy and sometimes like they talk about their nipples be pointing for which is like the actual best thing i've ever heard in my life and the marquise is my hero and like and like okay okay like, slow 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 down there big guy Boy, I didn't even get to compare Bran taking us to the gun show to Yungi taking us to the gun show. I, I know, I know, I know, Chloe. You'll be okay. like, we've got the whole show for you to be really inappropriate about how sexy Bran was. And Arya's boobs. And Arya's boobs. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Okay, I was gonna suggest that, yeah, that you do the excerpt too, Chloe, but would it be better if you just had a minute to compose yourself? Like, it was just such an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> okay, like, oh, anybody, yeah, anybody like really excited about doing it or anything? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. go for it, man. Alrighty. 
Oh yeah. All right. Um, loneliness killed my Auntie Mira. It wasn't a stranger that she inadvertently led into her house. It wasn't a burglar or an unknown lover. None of these possibilities point to the true reason that she died a few months ago at the age of 61, murdered in her own home, left naked and splayed on her kitchen floor on a January morning when snowflakes sang arias outside her window and robins hopped on frosted branches of holly. It was loneliness. People think it's only unfriendly people who are lonely. The ones who are rude and obnoxious, the ones who push others away. But that isn't true. Nice people are often the loneliest. People who do and say nice things, who step aside to let others pass. The ones who open doors and thank people, who smile and act as if everything is fine. Whose smiles hide the fact that they believe deep down inside that no one will catch them if they fall. That no one will love them if they let their true selves out. Those people, I think, the ones who are unfailingly nice, those are the ones that are most in danger of ending up like Auntie Mira. The ones who dare not let other people in. The ones who are afraid to be seen. Unlike my Auntie Mira, I try never to be nice. I'm telling you this right now because people don't like women who aren't nice. She's rude, they say. She's so selfish and vain. Well, that's okay with me. Because the thing is... I'm not rude. I'm honest. I'm now, at the age of 27, the person I've wanted to be since I was eight and left to live with my Auntie Mira dropped off by my parents like a limp quiche that no one wanted to buy at the church bake sale, discarded like a wet nappy. On that very day when I saw Auntie Mira give her last remaining Twix to a homeless person and that homeless person threw it back in her face, I knew. I knew I wasn't going to be like her. Even before then, I'd already known I wasn't going to be like my parents. I wasn't going to pretend to care about things and people that I didn't really care about, say things I didn't mean, make promises I couldn't uphold. And more than anything, I would either love something with all my heart or not bother. No half-hearted, watered-down soup kind of love for me. At the age of eight, you could say I didn't know who I wanted to be, but I definitely knew who I didn't want to be. And so... When my parents paid me a flying visit two months later when they stopped by to check on my progress, as dad called it, and asked, do you like living with Auntie Mira? I truthfully answered, yes. I mean, who wouldn't? She was a witch or a pagan herbalist, as she called herself. An unfailingly polite one, but still. Do you miss us, darling? Asked my mum. And I said, no, I hate you. So there we go. I started as I meant to go on. My mum, Surya, broke into tears and said, that's terribly rude. She always sounded more British when she was telling you how you had hurt her feelings. And I said, it's rude to leave your daughter so you can go travelling. To which Auntie Mira said, hush, Arya. By this point, my eyes were burning and my throat dry. I kept needing to click my tongue, something, anything, to deal with the awful feeling in the pit of my stomach that I was going to explode, that I was the wrong person stuck in the wrong body at the wrong time. I needed to hit something, to scream and keep on screaming. Telltale signs that I was deeply familiar with by age eight and already trying desperately to hide from others. Think of it as a nervous tick, doctors had said sympathetically to my parents. Just something the body does to cope with severe anxiety or excess energy, though it may look odd or unpleasant. To suppress the need to clear my throat, or worse, grunt, something I knew irritated my dad, I blew a hubba bubba bubble, and that is hard to say, a hubba bubba bubble in the general direction of my parents, and let it pop before I turned on my heel and ran off to do better things with my time. 
I told them that's what I was going to do before I did it. Only when I was well outside earshot did I allow myself some relief. I banged my fists hard on the rough bark of a tree until they cracked and bled. Still, I told myself, it wasn't the first time I'd had bleeding wrists. And at least this time, it was me that had made them bleed. Most people don't like me. It's true. And so you might not either. That's fine. I'm used to my own company. There are a lot of things someone creative can do on their own. Lace knitting. Reading Regency romances that always end happily. Creating macabre cakes, which I do for a living. Watching back-to-back episodes of Killing Eve. Taking endless woodsy walks. Baking cakes and tarts, eating them by myself while doing some of the above-mentioned things. And then going on my exercise bike to lessen the howling guilt. Observing the new life of my former boyfriend, Craig, from his garden with a fine pair of bird-watching binoculars. Oh, and I didn't mention it, but I also have a close bond with my vibrator, D'Artagnan. Am I lonely, you want to know, like my Auntie Mira, though you're too polite to ask. Kind of, but I don't mind. I really don't. People put up with a lot of bullshit to avoid loneliness, especially women. Mediocre sex, boring boyfriends, making friends with people who barely like you, much less care about you. I'd say it's much better to be alone than be with people and still feel lonely. I live in Trucklewood, a village, some people call it a small town, outside South Croydon. Far enough outside that it can be thought of as the countryside, but near enough that it can still, by a stretch, be seen as part of Greater London. It's built around a hill and is surrounded by hills. Its main street is cut on top of the hill where there is a waitrose, a few charity shops, a frozen custard shop, a hairdresser's, a florist, a post office, a tea room and a dodgy art shop that no one ever seems to go in or out of. Trucklewood residents generally have surgically tended houses and gardens. They employ cleaners and gardeners because they can afford to, but because they're artists and hippie types, they don't want anyone to know that they employ cleaners and gardeners or that they get their manicures or pay taxes. And so everyone acts like they're slightly impoverished. Being an arty sort, my aunt had moved to Trucklewood a year ago, hoping to fit smoothly into the self-proclaimed bohemian community, supposedly made up of artists, young families and ageing couples that were always away on cruises. Auntie Mira was killed six months after moving to Trucklewood, so she didn't get the time to fit in smoothly or not. Now I've let go of my flat in Bethnal Green and moved into her house. Yes, the very one she was murdered in. It has many advantages, this house. It's tucked away near the woods, away from other houses. Auntie Mira was a successful herbalist. I called her a witch, but she never called herself that. Herbalist was as far as she was prepared to go. She had a successful home run business in potpourri, tinctures, chants and love spells. She put some of her earnings into the house, making it airy and modern on the inside with granite counters in the kitchen and slouchy furniture in the living areas. But she also had a lot of wild garden space. So, yes, it's isolated and very comfortable, but still not much more than a 30 minute walk to the high street and less than that to the train station. The other advantages are that, unlike my London flat where I had a bedroom that was also the living area and the kitchen slash dining room was my workshop, here I can pretty much use the three bedrooms and the grounds as my workspace and no one would care. I have all the room I want and I don't have to see anyone for days if I don't want to. Which I generally don't. If I keep expecting Auntie Mira to walk into a room, if I keep hearing her footsteps creaking on the floorboards, if I can smell her herbs almost as if they're embedded in the furniture, if I woke up suddenly in the middle of the night because I think I've heard her calling my name, then I tell myself that it'll get easier with time to live with those things. That I'll get used to the cloying ache that she's left behind. The clinging feeling that the only person in the world who could put up with me is 
gone forever. I moved to the cottage after my aunt died, so about five months ago, and met Craig Yards almost right away. This is the problem with loneliness. These short, intense relationships that I get into. Not often, just now and again, usually after a big move of some kind or a change when I'm still in that exciting phase where I imagine I've become a different person. Where I think I've left behind all the things that I can't stand myself and turn into somebody else. It's a dangerous phase, that. And the relationships I get into in these phases are with the most excruciatingly average men. Craig is one of them, works in the city, in finance, and goes to the pub every evening after work and on holiday once a year, has Netflix subscriptions, is never late paying his bills, gets his annual health checkup done on time, complains about Brexit, the changeable weather and how he doesn't work out enough and jokes that train delays make us, Britain, no better than a third world country. Like everyone else who says things like that, Craig has never been to a developing country in his life. His dream is to retire early. Really, that's the extent of his dream. To live his life doing something that bores him to death just so he can stop doing it before he's 60. At this point, you may think of asking, if that's who Craig is, why was I going out with him in the first place? And what am I doing now, sitting outside his house, looking at him flapping about his kitchen? Well, the thing is, I was with him because loneliness does get to me sometimes. And when all is said and done, D'Artagnan is not as good as the real thing, even when the real thing is somewhat average, which, to be clear, it was with Craig. As for why I'm sitting here now, I guess... Because I thought I'd be the one to break up with Craig. I figured that's what would happen. The relationship ran its course and I realised that I was the same person I'd always been, that I hadn't transformed into a more fun and lovable version of myself. Once I'd figured out that no matter how fast you run, you can never outrun yourself. But instead, after two months of going out, he was the one to call it off. I'm not vain. I'm not. I'm I'm okay looking. I've my dad Brendan Winters' wide mouth and my mum's Surya Patel's large, unblinking, almost black eyes, bushy curls and large boobs. See, they are in there. <laughs> I'm not naturally thin and I like food, so I have to work at being fit, but that's okay because my one saving grace is that exercise is one of the few ways I can calm myself when I'm feeling anxious. That and making cakes. And sex. Definitely sex. So I'm not bad looking, nor am I on the front page of Marie Claire, but I'm not average like Craig. I'm more interesting than that. So it did knock me for a loop when he broke up with me saying that I was cold, except in bed, in which he said I could be a tad less slutty if he were honest. I was mean and I had no interest in him or his job or his many feelings or in the future. He was right about all of that. I had little interest in him, less so in his job. And no, I don't think too much about the future if I can help it. I have too much gnawing away at me in the present. But still, it stung somehow that someone as average as Craig broke up with me instead of the other way around, which is what would have happened if he had allowed nature to take its course. So I'm sitting here watching him on a balmy June evening with a pair of binoculars because I want to know what she's like. The woman called Tarina, who he's with now, who's a florist and who he's gotten engaged to after dating for only two months. I'm merely curious, nothing else. And also, I was bored sitting in my cottage. I don't know if you've noticed how the walls of your house start creeping closer together as night approaches. Silence weighs deeper, and your heartbeat is suddenly the loudest sound in the world. 
I've often noticed it, but being proactive, I decided to do something about it. And so here I am. Tarina is blonde, buxom and has a soft, big smile. She makes creamy Polish cakes for the annual Easter fair. She's walking around Craig's kitchen right now in a bright pink dress and kitten heels, cleaning and dusting and rolling pastry for a pie. I shake my head. She's Craig's dream come true. A housekeeper who looks like a Rubens. Though, hopefully she holds back in bed, plays hard to get and keeps her legs demurely crossed so she doesn't come across as too eager so that Craig can feel good about himself. She stays for an hour or so while Craig sits in the living room that I can see just beyond the kitchen, eating sausages cooked by Tarina and watching football. At the end of the hour, she gives Craig's sandy brown hair a kiss. They do some slobbery kissing that makes me queasy. She comes out of the house, gets into her car and drives off. I wait another hour until about 10 and then I sneak out from under the bush that I've been inhabiting quite happily for some time and saunter back towards my cottage. All in all, a pleasant evening. Four days later, I'm standing in my open plan kitchen putting finishing touches to a chocolate fudge cake. Most people just use butter to make their icing for a chocolate cake, but I use cream and butter. The combination heated in a saucepan on medium heat with dark chocolate broken into it. We included this part in the excerpt for a reason. Listen, people. And my icing is almost as high as the cake itself. Bet an inch high. I've done the icing for this order and I'm putting finishing touches on the blood trickling down the edge and onto the platter and the sugar dagger that plunges straight into the heart of the cake. I specialise in cakes, but people also ask me for cookies and granola. Any desserts, really, as long as they come with a Tim Burton twist. I'm trying to decide if I can make the blood look bubbly. Not made with artificial colour, but with beetroot and maple syrup, when the doorbell rings. I frown. My impulse is to ignore it. Besides my general antisocial inclinations, I also have a lot of baking to do. After the dagger chocolate fudge, I have to complete an order for 50 cupcakes, each one with one jelly eye staring from its centre. And I have a batch of my Black Widow granola to do too. But it could be the postman delivering some cupcake stands I've ordered, so I reluctantly make my way to the door. I'm in my work gear, trainers, leggings and tank top with a floral skirt on top of the leggings today, and my curls are escaping my hairpins. Are you winters? I raise my eyebrows. This is not the postman, or anyone I've seen in Trucklewood before. The woman, late 30s, dark brown hair cut in sensible waves down to the shoulder, a bow-shaped plum-coloured mouth, serious brown eyes, flashes a badge. She's looking me up and down with an alarmingly appreciative light in her eyes. As you may have heard, we're in the area looking into the murder of Mr. Yards. I start. Craig is dead? She widens her eyes. You must be the only one in Trucklewood not to know about the murder. Do you not leave your house? Not Craig Yards, the nephew, but Tobias Yards, the uncle. Oh. I feel a prick of something behind my eyes and a sudden sharp pain in my chest. Uncle Tobias is dead, I ask in an uncharacteristically small voice. The woman looks surprised. He was your uncle too? I shake myself. I swallow painfully. Tobias. Not Tobias. Why can't it be someone else? I suddenly feel shaky, like I've lost something I didn't even know I had. No, no, of course not. I only met him when I was... My brows knit. Do I need a lawyer to be present? Why are you here? She looks bored. Why does everyone we talk to automatically start feeling guilty? Four nights ago, about quarter past ten-ish, you were seen walking past the Vic's house. Who's Vic? I ask suspiciously. The victim. My brow clears. Oh, you were walking past his house. You passed Mrs. Sharma, the ceramic artist who was walking her dog. 
Mrs. Sharma said you didn't stop to say hello. She says it accusingly. So? So I'd like to ask you a few questions. Just because I didn't stop to make chit-chat with Mrs. Sharma doesn't mean that I killed Uncle, I mean, Tobias. I can't get my head around how Tobias could be dead. The sudden sharp pain of it. Suddenly, the world feels emptier. She shakes her head in exasperation. We don't think you did it. Or at least, we didn't until now. She looks severely at me. But I want to ask you if you saw anyone around. Do you have any objection to that? I could have said that I had an important commission, which I did, and my sugar dagger wasn't going to sharpen itself, which it wasn't. But the truth is, I'd liked Uncle Tobias. He was Craig's uncle, but I'd gone on with him the few times we'd seen each other, and I don't get on with most people. Are you sure he's dead? I ask blankly. She looks sympathetically at me. A shock, is it? I'm sorry, maybe I should have broken it better, but I figured you'd know everybody else does, and you were just a neighbour, nothing more. I was. I'm, I'm sure he didn't see me as anything else. It's just my shoulder twitches suddenly and I grasp it, but it twitches again. I shake myself. I'm letting myself crumble in front of a complete stranger and I never do that. I reluctantly stand aside to let her pass. The woman is wearing a white shirt and black trousers and carrying a trench coat. Either this is what coppers actually wear or she's been watching too many crime dramas on the BBC. We walk into my living room, a large room with lots of natural light with a small den at one end. It's across the landing from the kitchen, the large, airy kitchen that I use exclusively for my work. My own tiny kitchen is tucked away at the end near the garden door. She looks at me with interest. You're like me, aren't you? She asks, smiling. I look at her in confusion. Half and half, she says chummily. You've got the half-white, half-Asian thing down. I hold my hands up. Ah, uh, no. I don't do that. She waves a hand. Oh, I know what you mean. I don't like it either when people think they have something in common with you just because of your skin colour. boring. In front of my astonished eyes, she's twirling her hair on one finger. No, I mean, I don't do bonding. She raised her eyebrows in mock horror. Oh, right. Then she laughs uncertainly, in case I meant it as a joke. She clears her throat. I look down at her name tag. Shona Clues. A detective sergeant with the name Clues. Really? Yeah, funny, no? She says, smiling again. What are the odds? She pulls her hand through the back of her hair. Barely had time to dry it this morning. Do you like it? I stare at her. What about me makes her think I do this? Your hair. I couldn't sound more incredulous if it was her pubic hair she was asking my opinion about. I don't... care, I say as clearly as I can. Oh, she says, not at all put out. I guess you don't do this either. She's looking down at her notepad, laughing like I'm very funny. So, what were you doing that evening prior to bumping into Mrs. Sharma? I wince. The woman with her questions about my mixed ethnicity and the highlights at the back of her hair has thrown me, and I haven't had the time to think about what to say to this, her real question. I could say that I was snooping on Craig, but I have a feeling that won't look so good to a detective sergeant. Plus, it could be illegal to skulk in your ex's garden and spy on him snogging his girlfriend. I bite my tongue. Shona Clues is looking patiently at me. I'm clutching my burning shoulder. I was taking a walk. She nods slowly. Long walk. My mind races as I try to remember if anyone saw me other than Mrs. Sharma. Anyone who could pinpoint the exact times and locations. 
Shona looks at me, a kindly smile on her face. Talking to the police makes people feel they have something to hide. I'd say stick to the truth, saves a lot of bother in the long run. I frown. I have nothing to hide. I left my cottage at about six. Half past six. I walked all the way down my road at a slowish pace. I took a few turns. I don't remember precisely which. I crossed the high street at one point and walked all the way to the other end of the village. I meandered for some time. Lot of meandering. It was after ten when Mrs. Sharma saw you. Yes, I blink. I like to meander. She looks at me, then writes something in her notebook. I peer over and see she's written, likes to meander, she says, question mark, question mark, question mark. I frown again. Did you see anyone else at all that evening other than Mrs. Sharma? I shrug. I passed some people. I don't remember. Did you shop to chat with anyone? She pauses and looks up at me. Or don't you do that? She laughs at her own joke. Has anyone ever told you you have a very irritating laugh? I expect her smile to vanish. That's how most people react to the things I say, but instead she tucks her hair behind her ear. Why don't you have a think about your walk and if you come up with anything, if you saw anyone, if you spoke to anyone, give me a ring. She hands me her card. She takes it back, crosses something out with a ballpoint that materializes out of nowhere, writes something else and hands the card back to me. I notice that she's written down a mobile number, presumably hers. She's about to leave. How did he die? I ask her, something sticky in my throat. I don't want to know, yet I can't bear not knowing either. Not having some last image, however horrible, of Tobias's. Nothing would have blank. Oh, somehow I just, I can't bear the idea. She turns around and looks at me. Poison. We don't always like to mention the details, but his neighbour, Veronica Chives, found him and she's told everyone. My eyes narrow. How did she know it was poison? Frothing at the mouth, vomit and so on? She shrugs. Nope. It was very neat and clean. You could tell the man was dead, but that was it. No clue as to why. Then how did she know? She was still there when the paramedics arrived after she rang them and she overheard their speculations. She looks disgusted. Don't know what the police force is coming to, you know, Arya. I just don't. Not Ms. Winters, Arya. <sighs> How was the poison administered? She smiles widely at me with her picture-perfect white teeth. Not just a pretty face. I stare at her. Are you flirting with me? I ask sternly. Now, that wouldn't be allowed, she says coyly. So I couldn't possibly be. She inclines her head like a sparrow. We're not allowed to give details, like I said, but Veronica Chives had let this one out of the bag too. In fact, you seem to be the only one in Trucklewood who doesn't know any of this. The last thing the Vic ate was a slice of tiramisu. The cake was laced with poison. I'm about to blurt out, but I made Tobias the tiramisu. I stopped myself just in time, though I don't know why I bother. It can't be long before they find out. I mean, it's just so good, girls. <laughs> I was so annoyed at myself that I like immediately started looking for a killer, like straight away trying to figure it out instead of just like enjoying the book. Oh, dude, like my brothers are such 
dicks like that. Like, it's fun to be surprised by that stuff. Like, whoever wrote the thing put a ton of effort into coming up with that ending. Like, what's the point of saying, oh, the Jaeger was spiked 12 seconds after they find the tiger in the bathroom? Like, uh, the hangover isn't exactly a whodunit, Katie. The whole point of him <laughs> saying it was to look smarter than me or make me feel dumb in front of his stupid, cool girlfriend. Dude, they're not even together anymore. She could have been my awesome vegan unicycler best mate if Phil hadn't made me look like such a dick, Sarah. <laughs> well, I mean, when she hears Dash in passion plea, how could she possibly resist? <laughs> oh, no, I don't say that. Like, she doesn't listen to this show, right? Like, there's no... Like, there's, oh, okay. my. Oh, dude. <laughs> so, oh. so while Katie recovers from her terminal girl crush, Look, it's so let's, sad. Uh, let's take a quick break and oh. we'll be back in a bit for more Chicklet for Life. Don't, uh, don't go anywhere. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> Okay, everyone, we need to talk about this. Run BTS will be on hiatus from now, October 2021, until, like, God knows when. Yes, we need the boys to have the rest day near, but, like, probably won't get. And, yes, we need the writers to come up with new ideas to rival the legendary Manito photo game episode. Yeah, and, you know, yes, we fully need the time to absorb, like, just how cute JK's new dog, Bam, is. But this loss is fresh and real, and you deserve the space and time to deal with it. We will no longer have 40 minute installments of seven grown men competing against each other for snacks and or the ability to go home early which you know in fairness was the best prize ever so the Chloe Cullen support group for Run BTS going on hiatus but also to plan for her and JK Opa's inevitable wedding will begin meeting in the students union from Tuesday 26th October onwards okay Bring your favourite Run BTS memories, tissues, and fierce dance suggestions. Ah! Credit, of course, for the music for this. I'm going to Kazumi Totata, um, who obviously wrote the Wii team music that you're hearing right now, that for some reason, Army use on all their videos on YouTube and all. Seriously? I defy you, Katie Morphy, to say you didn't have a teeny stomach drop when the Run BTS people said that they were taking a break. Chloe, like, how exhausting is it for us to do this show? Oh my god, like, doing these two shows in this series so far, like, two-ish weeks apart, like, even, like, with Elsie working and, like, getting sick and all, like, it's for real hell on earth, like. Okay, and, like, and, like, we don't have to learn, like, dance routines or, like, we don't have to diet or anything. Well, like, I mean, Elsie works out a bit and, like, she does that intermittent fasting thing. That makes it easy to forget to take her medicine. Yeah, that makes it easy for her to, like, yeah, forget to take her medicine. And, and we get to do the show in our, like, gross tracksuit bottoms and leggings and okay, stuff. Okay, it's gonna be so sad. Like, I'm not gonna get to hear my JKO pa laughing all giggly and all when something stupid happens. <laughs> like, I mean, Chloe, do, do the producers know that? Well, like, no. Like, oh... Oh, I see. Because I'm not important, Clean. Is that what you're saying? Of course you're important, Chloe. You're JK's future Irish mistress. Our love is pure and magical and we're going to get married on a mountaintop, Clean and Debbie. Don't you do me like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is weird like that, isn't it? Like, like how, I don't know, proprietary you get over 
Yeah, people that make stuff. Oh, dude, like seriously, like I die a little bit inside when I see folks comment on like a post or a product drop or something that's like, oh, why didn't you do this other thing instead? Oh, you never do this thing anymore. Like, oh, it sucks. We miss blah, blah, blah. Like watch the old content, man. Read the old books. Folks taking time off or going in a new artistic direction is like properly their choice. So like K.E. shouldn't be bitching about Dave Chappelle. I mean, like I could see that coming and I did absolutely nothing to stop it. We're, we're all complicit in that, man. I, I applaud <laughs> and appreciate your ownership, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking no, Chloe. Like, a new artistic direction is a new artistic direction, whatever. What I'm saying is that the new work casts the old work in a new gross for me light. Those jokes add stuff on to the old jokes that sort of make the old jokes not funny to me anymore. That might change, but it's definitely how I feel right now. But if he decided to go and do like an experimental jazz show or something, I'd be like, okay, kind of weird, not for me. I'm a go rewatch Bell show from beginning to end. Just like you don't really like the BTS Japanese albums, but it doesn't matter with how much you like the Korean ones. Oh, that's your answer for everything, isn't it, Katie? Oh, your mom thinking that white magnums are nice don't mean she's a sociopath. It's just like you and the Japanese albums, in it. Sometimes people prefer to sit upstairs on the bus, Chloe. It's not like you listen to the Japanese albums, right? The situation in Palestine is a human rights crisis, Chloe. Think about it. You don't listen to the Japanese albums, do you? How is that the same bleeding thing, Katie? <laughs> As much as I want to just do a show consisting of Chloe coming up with examples of stuff Katie talks about and comparing it to not listening to specific K-pop albums. What do Japanese BGS albums have to do with Jeff Bezos going to space, Katie? It doesn't make sense! We are, I promise we are talking about Amita Murray's Are You Winters and the Tiramisu of Death. Yeah, I, I feel like that remains to be seen, Sarah. <laughs> I was thinking about it though. Like I, I had thought that that this was our first mystery, but it's not. Marion Keys's um, "The Mystery of Mercy Close" would have been our first one. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Um, because the thing is, like, I think that this book might be the best cold open we've had. Oh, 15 Conan O'Brien point three using the phrase "cold open." <gasps> oh my god, how did I miss that? <laughs> Conan O'Brien crush is still alive and well, sir. Yeah, he's just very tall and weird, Sarah. He's just extremely my jam. Oh, I just love you so much, you beautiful, beautiful weirdo. <laughs> What the fuck is a cold open? Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, like we're technically using it wrong. I think, like, it's it's a TV term for where the episode starts before the credits or whatever. So, like, you're already watching it, you know. So, like, this book starting off with Auntie Mira dead on the floor, pretty much, and considered opinions on what could have killed her being put forward. Yeah, we're kind of in the story without a chance to kind of even think about it. Yeah, or sort of accessories after the fact. Do, do you have that written down? No. Oh my God. Oh my God. No. <laughs> no. Oh my God. It's blind. <laughs> oh my God. Lee, you put that much effort into like a radio joke. I am a master of my craft. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, no. Opening top notch. Yeah. Yeah. And all that talk around Arya and her family situation, like it's super compelling and it's just... You don't, like, need to get a sense of who Arya is because you, like, straight away get a sense of where she came from, kind of, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, that was, re- like, 
Like, yeah, I, I had twitches and stuff when I was a kid. Really? Oh, my God, Kleena, I'm so sorry. I just meant, like, like, like you're not in any way, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I'm making it worse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, not grand. Like, like, I think I know what you mean. Like, yeah, like, I was sort of all knotted up, sort of, like, like really anxious. Like, like, I don't know why, like... Maybe with my folks, like that was that was a pretty serious car crash right there. Like, did they like have a go with you, Clay? Ah, no, no. Like they weren't like yeah, beating me with a bootstrap or anything. Like they were just they were just always so uh, stressed and like pissed off at each other and stuff. Like, like I just didn't want to make it worse, you know. But then, but then they start talking about you like you're some sort of Egypt that'll never be able to tie their shoelaces and that kind of made it worse like it used it used to happen I'd twitch and stuff make faces when I was concentrating really hard or like working really hard like I remember if I was on rope when we'd be skipping in the yard in school um like it would happen all the time and the thing is, I couldn't really skip. Um, so I was always on rope and nobody else wanted to be on rope. So it made sense. But like, I didn't know that I was like, yeah, twitching or making faces while I was, yeah, looking after turning the rope until we had a new girl in our class. And like she was jumping and she genuinely couldn't hold it together when we were skipping because she was laughing so hard. Oh my Dude. God, bitch. No, no, no. It was actually like weirdly nice. Like I didn't know until then, but like, I was crap at skipping, like I was saying, yeah, so I'd be on a rope all the time, like for, for years, like I still can't skip, really. Um, so like, the thing is, all of the other girls in my class would have known that I was making these faces and they never said anything, they just went on like it was normal. So like, they were just like, ah, that's just Kleena, she's just like that, you know? So yeah, yeah, I was, I was the twitchy kid and I sort of didn't need to know, like you were saying, Sarsha, I didn't know, need to know what Arya looked like from the outside, if that makes sense, because I kind of knew what she was dealing with on the inside. So that was that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about how knowing even the vaguest part of her. Actually, do you know what? I'm hearing myself say that. And it wasn't vague information that we got about her childhood. It's kind of more like we got just exactly what we needed. There was no filler. We, we just got all of the details, specific details we needed to know who Arya is and and why she is, how she interacts with the world, why she does that. Like, we got that straight away. Yeah, yeah. That line, like, I would either love something with all my heart or not at all when she's saying that she wouldn't be like her folks. Like, fuck, man. Like, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. Like, you have people, like, round that are just, like... I know people you sort of know like you, you can't love them 100% or not at all that'd be stupid it's just someone who works in the shop like but like you can love someone from around the garage can it be serious okay <laughs> but yeah if you were abandoned by your folks because they wanted that type of casual relationship like a, a relationship that's mostly just politeness but the fact is you're not someone that they know from, yeah, the garage or like the canteen between lectures. You're you're their actual child. Like that should probably turn you off those types of relationships in general as well, right? Yeah, like it's just, 
I suppose shit though, like no wonder are you felt lonely. Like how many people do you meet that you like really talk to and like proper love? Like like you spend most of your time making small talk, innit? Like that's what being around people is. Like you just get on with people and you have the crack and it's just kind of fun, yeah? Like it's not though. Like you sort of talk to people and it's kind of, yeah, when you're doing that small talk thing, Kind of feels like it's just to give them a forum so that they can talk about themselves, right? Well, like, I mean, people ask you small talk questions too. It works both ways. Like, but that's to kind of figure out, like, what's wrong with you, isn't it? What do you mean, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with you, Kina. No, no, you know what I mean. Like when you're super different to other people, they kind of want to find out what it is about you that's different because then they can figure out if they want to know you or not. Like, like I get it. Like, but it's just, it's kind of invasive feeling, you know? Now that's interesting because Arya says she's pretty sure that her... Auntie Mira has died of loneliness even though she was killed by someone and she comes to the same conclusion about Uncle Tobias. Yeah. But the hugest part of that loneliness and the more Arya looks at them the lonelier the two of them seem to become. The the hugest part seems to be shame. What are you saying? No, 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 no. Just like that, that Auntie Mira and Uncle Tobias were kind of isolating themselves through this sort of either neutered niceness or being uncomfortably blunt because they didn't seem to trust that people would be accepting or interested in them for just being themselves. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying about the small talk thing. Like, if people were genuinely interested, you'd have a conversation instead of just small talk. But, like, you need to get to the conversation isn't the whole small talk politeness thing just a way to get to a real conversation and like do you just not talk to anyone you don't have obvious stuff in common with like ever so like people are just like walking around like ignoring everybody well like Arya did that and she's like my actual favorite person ever so but like Despite all that, and yes, like Arya is goals with that kind of stuff. Oh, dude, like when she meets Craig and just out of nowhere is just like, you're such a wanker. I don't <laughs> yeah. them. But like shame seems to be a part of the equation for Arya too. Like she's pushing people away and is angry and anxious kind of sort of as a result of her folks being like so dismissive of who she is. Like that was confusing though. Like she had ways, yeah, of handling like anxiety or whatever when she was little like making noises or banging stuff or twitching or whatever like and her folks were all oh you're an embarrassment and like that made it worse but then she kind of becomes this loner because yeah there's no point in trying to make it work with people because they just keep like turning on her yeah right yeah. yeah so like yeah so like she deals with it by being harsh and real to people and stuff so that they don't get a chance to have a go and then that sort of becomes who she is so like is the thing her parents were being dismissive of who she is because she changed to deal with it and who she was came the person that was dealing with it like do we know who she is under like that 
behavior or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like it's it's worth thinking about how young she would have been when her folks were saying that. Like like if she's four or five, yeah, and is anxious and twitchy and making noises or acting erratically and then her folks are acting like they're ashamed of her because of it. Yeah, yeah, of course that works its way into who she becomes, right? Like like were any of you guys who you are today when you were four? Like someone that's told the way they relate to the world at that stage is going to grow into themselves with that like as a condition for how they feel they need to behave, right? Oh my God, that's so sad. And it does put a weird spin, yeah, on like rudeness. Like obviously it's nice for everyone if everyone is nice to each other. But if someone's rude to you, is it because they think that's the way they need to be to survive as opposed to like just being a shit person and like Arya being rude was like genuinely the best thing in the world ever like like I'm gonna have to rethink some stuff now that I've seen it in action you know so like you're just gonna call people needy straight out of the gate now like no obviously not like those are things Arya didn't want to say girls like that was interesting like that she'd say things that were like too harsh before she'd kind of like realized she'd said them kind of yeah I thought it was almost like she'd say them because she was afraid that she would you know like the fact that she had these thoughts crop up in her head that say yeah Mrs. Sharma is needy or that yeah Craig is boring or that the family with the gang of young kids looks like the most torturous living situation in the world yeah like she's so afraid of it like there's almost an internal like trip switch that happens that's like if you say it then it'll be said and no one will be in any doubt about who you are yeah and like you won't need to deal with losing them later when they find out like after you've gotten attached kind of oh my god girls is that what she was doing with like sexy sexy brand like like actual duh man but like why like he was a riot like, all the reason not to get attached right like based on her experience with her folks like you'd want to avoid people finding out what you're really like so that they can figure out that they don't like it and they'll leave yeah or start practicing how to be normal and try and suppress all the stuff that made them leave in the first place yeah those would be the uh, the two choices alright made them leave no one made anyone leave are ya like they're own lack of understanding of their own daughter and their wish to appear normal over everything else is the only thing that came into play with their decision like nothing else like an Auntie Mira understood her there was no rejection there like, like, like that wasn't uh, interested in the polite Olympics loved Arya and you know given his penchant for Teal I would trust Uncle Tobias's judgement above anyone else's his house did sound like proper royalty like obscenely stylish and I mean our girl Veronica Chives loved Arya oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my actual god I can't handle how much I love Veronica Chives girls yeah, like I read the bit where we get introduced to her in the book and I was immediately like Chloe's gonna need like a solid five minutes to talk about this okay, I'm <laughs> choosing to hear that as the compliment it's so obviously is but like <laughs> yes like a real life Barbie doll from Texas who makes frozen custard and has like the sexual appetites of Rihanna in a savage Fenty ad I mean come Whoa. on girl <laughs> like no be real with me right now okay are you being real with me right now I can be real with you right now okay so like being real mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how long did you spend writing that speech last week <laughs> ah. 
fuck off, Kate. <laughs> it only took an hour or so. <laughs> oh my God. Like, seriously, though, like, doesn't frozen custard sound like the actual best thing in the world? Oh, you still can't get my head around it. No, like, I looked it up, man. Like, it's your real thing. And me to one lie to us, Kate. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair. But, like, but, yeah, it's, like, big in the States, it looks like, which, you know, it makes sense that, like, Veronica would make it then. But, like, yeah, ice cream that's got, like, egg yolks in there with the cream to make it, like, even sexier, like... Oh my god, it's just, it's so devastating. Like, I am i might never get over this. Like, I don't know that any of us will, to be honest. Veronica Chives was such a genius name for her, though. How do you mean? Well, like, chives are for flavour, right? And, like, Veronica is 100% from flavour country. <laughs> like, <laughs> even, like, chives are sort of astringent and, like, cut through other flavours to, like, pull the dish together and stuff. Okay, like, Chloe, I take it back. How long did it take you to write that, sir? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> did you guys think the women in the village were, like, way more memorable than the men? Oh, right. my God, like, Olga is my actual hero. Like, did you guys ever hear about those sisters, like, Freddie and Trues Overstegen? Oh, yeah, from, like, the Netherlands. Who? Like, they're, like, these sisters who were teenagers during the war, um, like, in the Netherlands, and they, they joined the Dutch resistance and would, like, seduce Nazi soldiers and, like, take them to the woods and like shoot them oh my god like proper Olga vibes mm-hmm. like that is exactly what I'm saying like Jesus Christ Chloe <laughs> <laughs> but like but like all the women are bosses like you're right like Veronica and Olga are clearly incredible like Mrs. Sharma knows everything there is to know about the village did, did you guys think it was incredibly important to know that her hair was in a bond the size of a ping pong ball that, yes. that was really important to me <laughs> But yeah, and like Shishan was like super real and three dimensional, like even though we, we barely spend any time with her. Oh my God, yes. Like I really felt like she had like a whole novel's worth of a story going on, like just on her own. Oh man, like I would read the shit out of that book. Like even with that bloke going on, I mean, come on, he ain't shit, right? Like the thing is, like with the family, the young family thing, like I don't think guys are brought up with the intention or like even awareness of the fact that they'll have to be like full-time caregivers to children or elderly people actually now that I think of it what well, like I'm like I'm kind of thinking it out but like like you've got a bit of a time limit in your head for when you're gonna have to have kids right yeah but like not for ages like not till I'm like 20 or whatever yeah but like after that you're not gonna do much other than just look after them kids yeah well yeah Sarah kids being needing people looking after them well like yeah that's my point like in my experience blokes don't kind of have that calculation happening in their head like so so like if they do end up having kids they might be kind of knocked sideways wondering where their life is after going like the way your man Mark is yeah but that's not no excuse Sarah like I'm not saying it is man it's just we're thinking about in that context like in like the point is yeah Shishan was the awesomeness and I want to go for pizza with her <gasps> oh my god she needs like so much pizza like immediately did you rate like the detectives at all oh uh, Shona and Shirley yeah like I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like, I definitely wanted to find out where Shirley got his clothes and all, like, not like I'd be able to fit into any of them. Yeah, like, he sounded like he was legitimately six stone or whatever. Right, but, like, like, did you think that, like, everybody else in the town was, like, way more interested than them? Oh, like, no question, man. But, like, more than that, what was really cool was, like, I don't know, the way it was written, it was, like, I was genuinely, like, living in Trucklewood. And, like, 
Do you know, like actually not just in Tricklewood, like in Arya's actual brain, like like always moving, like task focused. I have to keep myself so busy, like that I don't implode under the weight of my memories, like brain. Yes. Like, did you guys notice that like a lot of the time, like a chapter would be like the start of a day and like she'd run and bake. And it was like, it was almost like we were like in her daily routine and stuff. Like, oh my God, girls, like, are we going to talk about them cakes? Or like, what's the story? Oh my God. Like when she's talking about how she makes her chair like the Portuguese way with like clotted cream and rum and stuff oh my god I actually thought I was going to fall out of like, my chair dude like those pineapple cupcakes sounded like the actual realness I cannot I like I mean like kind of yeah like she did have stuff that like yeah takes her outside of herself like that like with the bacon and running and stuff you know S- stuff being sex well Yes, if you want to be, if you want to be crude about it. <laughs> but like, like, do you guys think like she might have had like, like a sex addiction? Like, no. But but like like she says that like sex is like really effective for like getting her anxiety and stuff to stop. Like, is that not like addictive behavior? <gasps> like only if she's like seeking it out constantly to like get away from her inner issues but like she doesn't like it's not like she's calling up prostitutes or having sex with anyone that comes her way to get away from what's happening in her head you know that's that's not what happens yeah yeah I guess like like if someone uses something that we know releases serotonin or oxytocin like you know they 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 exercise or they eat chocolate or whatever like if they do that to handle issues that are going on in their mind like it's it's not the best but it's not it's not an addiction unless they use that as their only coping mechanism right yeah like i mean you have a shit day you eat two packs of kit kats or you know you go get shit faced like it's not great but like if you do that every single time you have a bad day like yeah maybe then you've got a problem but not before that like maybe like i think it's the maybe part of that that's the issue then like you don't know if there's an addiction at play unless whatever addictive behavior is affecting someone's life you know you're you're missing work you're in a bad financial place your relationships are suffering but Arya's attitude to sex is the same as her attitude to running and baking it just so happens that sex is something that we see as shameful or negative yeah Katie (laughs) like like, because yeah she doesn't have an issue when Bran doesn't want to take things to a sexual place right away like she doesn't have a problem there yeah it's like he wants to avoid her going into that self-preservation place so they can connect properly and and you know that approach does work right and like when she's talking about how angry his self-assurance and like patience makes her it's it's because it kind of invites her to be vulnerable with him and like obviously that's gonna be like putting your hand on a hot iron for her yeah and it really is like so amazing because the thing is like he does want to accept her and for her to like let herself open up in her own time which like yeah does include her wanting to push him away before he has a chance to reject her all that kind of self-preservation stuff but like he really doesn't want to let her like yeah there's a line in there um we're like that some people fit together from the second they meet. Like, I know Elsie and her 
the husband's gentlemen are kind of like that. You know that because you're a figment of Elsie's imagination. Yes, yes, that's correct. We all are. Um, Elsie covered this at the last um, fictional character that lives in her head summit. I don't know what you were doing. I assume I was doodling. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, the whole being freaked out about, oh, holy shit, this could be my person. And then what if I wasn't with them? Oh, shit, that'd mean we aren't together anymore. Like. I wish that didn't make as much sense as it actually did. It's very sad that we speak fluent Sarah right now. Also, when is my certificate getting here? It's a COVID delays, man. I can only assume that's that's what it is. This is this is getting a little bit free association-y. Yeah, thanks for stepping in. <laughs> it, it's um yeah, it is kind of wild though to think that some people really do just seem made for each other. Yeah, like like you'd think that that's like a crazy overly romantic idea. Like, or you could go too far the other way and think that, like, yeah, finding that person would solve all your problems and it'll be like a fairy tale. But, like, it really does just seem to be just meeting someone that genuinely gets you and wants to be around you as much as you want to be around them. That sounded more romantic in my head. (laughs) But, like, but the thing with Tallulah, then, yeah, like, like, Tallulah seemed like someone that got Arya real well, but, like, their friendship and everything is just, like... Oh my god. Yeah, but like Tallulah has her own situation going on. Like all that, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And oh my god, I'm annoying you. Oh, I'm so sorry for like being alive. Like what's she kind of looking for with that? Like that's to get a reaction. Like it really pissed me off. But like if you are annoying people or like based on your experience, you're pretty sure that's what you're doing. Like you are annoying. You've annoyed a lot of people in your time being on this planet like like are you just gonna be walking around pissing people off and like not make it clear that you know you're doing it and you're really sorry about that yeah but like why not just not do the thing that you think is annoying like like maybe maybe it's not that easy like maybe it's like who you are is what's annoying like if you're genuinely an arsehole inside and people are nice enough to be around you and like not even an arsehole just like I don't know a bit pathetic and stuff like and people yeah are being nice enough to be around you and listen to you and treat you like you're part of the group and stuff you should recognize it and make it clear that you get there doing this really hard thing for you no 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 that's not the case are people what do that oh i'm so sorry for breeding thing like like they're looking to hear from other people and no your grand don't be worrying i really like you would you like to be my only friend forever like like and people saying that a few times like it don't make no difference like it just people like that just keep apologizing they want to hear it over and over again it's it's bleeding head reckon it is but no like what like it's not that easy like when there's something like wrong with you inside like you need to say it to people so that they know why they don't like you like that it's 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 there's something wrong with you it's not they 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 they're being really nice by being around you in the first place they're doing a really good thing by letting you be there no 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 here Clayton, i'm not okay with this Chloe, no more all right okay no this has to stop okay you're our mate your class you're smart you're cool and everything and just because your dad drinks or whatever Chloe, like and your man's not here like, like it don't mean you have to be sad and like i think we should go to that psychology place with the counselors and all because oh. I just, no i don't like you being sad like this just because people aren't nice to you at home like this is bullshit um like yeah 
I, I suppose we um, we could do that. Like, yeah, I think maybe we can talk about that separately because I think, yeah, we've all been talking about this separately. But um, yeah, you know, we're nearly out of time anyway. And um, we we haven't talked about the mystery aspect of the book at all. Yeah, which was pretty amazing. Like, um, yeah, I had to keep reading. I had to keep reading um, to figure out what had happened. I just couldn't. I just couldn't put the book down at all. Yeah, like it was. Yeah, it was really clever. Like I thought. I thought anyway. Like my, yeah, my stupid fucking brother would have probably called it in two seconds because he's a prick. <laughs> you need to get over the case. I will never get over it, man. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe it's best that we actually. Yeah, maybe it's best that we don't talk too much about. Yeah, that side of the book. Now that I think of it, like maybe we'll give something away, and that 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 would suck. Yeah, like I keep. Yeah, like I really want to say the thing that really threw me off because he was like really smart, but like that's like such a giveaway. Yeah, like there's one thing that I'm. Th- I wonder is it the same thing that like I was so wrong about but yes no no good will come of talking yes. of it you shall heed this warning but <laughs> <laughs> yeah no like I I feel like there are more things to say like there's a line in there bollocks to everything I just wanted to say that people don't say bollocks enough no more that <laughs> like, is an excellent point people don't say bollocks enough no more you guys, I do like, think that the end is going to like stay with me for ages it's it's still genuinely in my head like for real like genuinely man yeah i start to feel like aria is gonna stay with me for i don't know forever no like seriously like i feel it's a while since we got that effectively into like a protagonist's like head like that like like we've had people telling us their stories in the books but like aria's so like she's so past telling her story to anyone she just like lets us directly into her head and we experience pretty much everything as her which was just like i don't know like crazy rewarding or something yes yes this was like a really like rewarding book to read and like like when people say that they mean like something like crazy like saccharine and like lifetime movie but like this was not like that no like more like we got to see and love Arya despite like her best efforts like I just love her so much like just so much girl like, oh my god we get it Chloe like no you don't Katie like stop trying to keep me and Arya apart <laughs> like okay I think I think I want to put an end to this madness yeah I think that would be wise <laughs> but yes Arya Winters and the Tiramisu of Death is available on the 26th of October that is in three days time you guys go and buy it from all reputable retailers buy independent if you can because you know Jeff Bezos doesn't need no more money and Chloe really doesn't like being BTS's Japanese back catalog. Like, what does it have to do with Bezos being a prick? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yes. Our next episode will be in a couple weeks. Um, we were going to try for Halloween, but we don't know if that might be too ambitious. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, like, considering Elsie's like already crapped out. Yeah, I know. Bitch is overextending herself like a motherfucker. But, you know, we'll see how we get on because the fact is, we will be covering the incredibly spooky Perfectly Preventable Deaths and its just released sequel Precious Catastrophe by LCs and therefore our number one girl crush Deirdre Sullivan. Oh, yeah. I love her so much. 
that's but, scary. <laughs> oh but that's it from us. If you can, please, please like and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And reviews really, really do help. Um, if you could leave one, we would we would just love you forever. But um, you can find us on Instagram at, at lifechicklet4, on Twitter at, at chicklet for life one and on TikTok at, at chicklet for life. Um, we We'll see you guys later. But in the meantime, stay safe, stay hydrated, mask up where appropriate. Take your echinacea. That cold going around is no joke. I am here to tell you that right now. Campus is back open and that can only mean one thing. Dedoy is back. What's on the mind of our fellow students? Let's take a listen. Okay, I can't remember how to put tights on. Why are these clothes? Like, I swear, my crotch is so sweaty. Like, what was I doing buying all of these dresses? I just, I can't remember how to wear them. No, like, why is everyone giving me a cowl? Like, are people, like, licking my backpack on the bus? Like, what's the story? No, hang on. The cleaning lady in the canteen gave out to me for not showing that my table needed to be clean when I was finished with it. Like, she ate me out of it in front of everyone in the queue. Like, it's just as well. Can't go getting off with nobody right now. Like, no way I'm getting off with anyone that was even there. Like, fuck's sake. No, and it, and it just, like, keeps going on like that. You gotta tune in to Joy Thursdays. <laughs>